I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined today by Christopher Pacheco, Starting our conversation where I think uh, really this is the the only place we we can start at Pacheco, the news that Dalvin Cook is going to be holding out officially that he is not going to attend training camp until he uh, you know until he gets a new deal and uh, you know I just I I don't know if this is going to work out how he expects it to uh, to work out but you know these running back holdout situations it almost feels like we need one uh, you know it feels like we need one every off season just to uh, you know just to have you know just to have something to talk about right you know to have yeah. to have some value there in the running back market so Dalvin Cook is going to join the Le'Veon Bell Melvin Gordon group of guys who are holding out over the course of the preseason uh, so so do we think that he has any leverage it's a tough one, Davis, because I, I, I think and on one hand, I understand why a running back specifically would do this. We know that a running back shelf life is it's just not great uh, at the NFL level. Um, on the other hand, we have examples of running backs doing this, and it just doesn't seem uh, to pan out. You know, Lev, Lev Bell was really the, the one that I guess started this trend and uh you know, he, he came back, he, he was with the Jets, and he are, he had his worst season. Now, whether that's, you know, whether that has to deal a lot with the team more than, than Bell, I'm, I'm not sure. But statistically speaking, he had his worst season today. Uh, you know, Melvin Gordon really wasn't needed by the Chargers, Davis. Like, they, they could have just done without him. Um, so I, I think with Dalvin Cook, it's a, it's a similar situation where I, I realize he's a phenomenal talent, uh, probably one of the better running backs in the entire NFL. But I, I certainly don't think that Minnesota needs him either. I think they have capable backs that are going to cost cheaper. Uh, so I, I don't think this whole situation is is going to work out for him if the Lev Bell, Melvin Gordon examples, uh, you know, are more of the optimal kind, which I, I, I think they that's the only examples we have to to you know evaluate. So. It's not looking great for him. So also, it is. Uh, it's it's definitely worth noting that there is a change in the way that the NFL has done contracts for rookie players. This was as a result of you know recent changes in the collective bargaining agreement. But Pacheco, effectively, if he does not show up to training camp, 
He's not going to get an accrued season. So if he actually wants to hold out, the way that Dalvin Cook would have to hold out would be he's got to show up to training camp, be there mm-hmm. for a day or two, you know, take a couple take a couple uh, handoffs from Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. and then leave, then hold out. Because if he goes about this plan the way that he's doing things now, mm-hmm. theoretically he is never going to get another NFL paycheck again unless the Vikings are like, you know what, we can't win. We need Dalvin Cook. We're not going to be able to win without him. So you you mentioned that this is a new thing in the collective bargaining agreement. Is that is yeah. that correct? Yeah, this is brand new. So okay, so obviously, if he's smart, he he's gonna he's gonna have to go to to at least one training camp camp meeting or, or something. He's gonna have to do something. Otherwise, he's not gonna be able to get paid at, at all. That that just doesn't seem smart. I think the the more important conversation for us, Davis, is what does this do from a, a fantasy football uh, angle? Because Dalvin Cook was. Very clearly a top 10 pick uh, going into this uh, year's draft, you could argue. He's a top five pick. Um, so, you know, what does that do to him? And more specifically, uh, specifically, what does that do to Alexander Madison, uh, who is now going, you know, inside the top 100 uh, as far as the ADP is concerned for him? What are your thoughts on both of those guys moving forward? Um. I mean, my my biggest thought would be is that Dalvin Cook is really going to, uh, he's really going to change the way fantasy football is played this year. If both he and Mixon hold out this season, I mean, we're talking about two of the top 15 players in every single fantasy draft who are no longer going to be top 15 players. And then we're talking about, okay, so what if, Dalvin Cook comes back in like week eight or whatever, you know, very similar to what happened with Melvin Gordon, where he watched his, you know, we he watched his team uh, win a bunch of games and uh, you're or, or maybe not even win a bunch of games, but just basically not miss him at all came back, uh, you know, because I, I think, you know, Mike Boone and Alexander Madison are going to be fine fill ins. Mm-hmm. So if we value Dalvin Cook at eight games, Alexander Madison at eight games, you know, that is a that's a huge you know, that is a huge question mark for fantasy football drafts because obviously you really like to start your season off well so that you can make the playoffs. But, you know, then you they effectively, if you're drafting Alexander Madison in the fourth round and you get eight games of him, you yeah. know for a fact you're going to lose him if and when Dalvin Cook comes back. So I just think it's a, it's a really interesting game theory situation. Um, I think that this, to me, it makes zero running back uh, a little bit more viable than it would have been at the beginning of the year because, you know, we have these guys like Mike Boone. Uh, you know, we have these guys, uh, you know, Travion Williams in, in the case of Joe Mixon. Like, there are more guys that we can play. So, as Alexander Madison, given how often the the Vikings run the ball, uh, which they, they used to do a, a, a whole ton with Dalvin Cook last season, uh, could we assume that Madison should be a top 50 player, even though he might only be viable for, say, you know, eight, eight to 10 weeks, potentially? Is that a, is that something that you believe in? Yeah, I mean, so I, I think that, um, like, Eckler last year is the guy who people are going to want to compare him to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the problem with that is Eckler was going to have a role regardless, right? Eckler was going yes. to catch passes um, in, and still did catch passes, still was fantasy viable once Melvin Gordon returned. Um, that, is, that is not going to be the case with Alexander Madison. If and when Dalvin Cook returns from this holdout, and if he does so early on, you know, essentially we're, we're just going to be looking at a situation where Madison goes back to being a handcuff, you know he's just not going to have he's not going to have any value um, mm-hmm. effectively at uh, at that point. So uh, I I am going to be less likely to draft Alexander Madison than I was to draft Austin Eckler last year. I'm wondering, Pacheco, do we think that now that Dalvin Cook has announced his holdout, do we think it'll be really similar to what happened with um, Ezekiel Elliott and uh, Melvin Gordon last year where they announced their holdouts within a couple days of each other, and uh, we're going to get the Joe Mixon news soon? I would think that we're, we should get the Joe Mixon news uh, soon. I wonder... I, I wonder if Mixon is actually going to hold out because I think, honestly, I think for Cincinnati, 
uh, they, they don't really have a whole lot behind them. Um, so I would think they, they would try to sign them, although, you know, running backs in, in general, it just it doesn't matter. So uh, they probably shouldn't. Uh, they shouldn't give them a big deal. But I would think that we should get news like that uh, soon. I, I think it's, I don't know, Davis, it's going to be a really interesting conversation. Both of these guys, most of the time, are going inside the top 10. And if they're going to hold out and be out, you know, for at least eight to 10 weeks, I can't draft them inside the top 10 anymore. So I, w- I would be interested to see what their ADP would be if they hold out for that long. But I, I also think there's a, uh, you know, given that there's a COVID-19 situation out there, I think there's a, a good chance, Davis, that these guys just hold out for the year. I mean, what are the odds of that? Because I, I, I think it's it's likely that it could happen. That's true. Yeah, um, that is that is really interesting because COVID might make it more likely that these guys are like, you know what? Maybe maybe I don't take the service here, and maybe this is um maybe this is a calculated risk, right? Where they're saying maybe twenty percent of the time Minnesota or Cincinnati gives me all of the money that I want, and that other eighty percent of the time maybe I end up looking like a fool, yeah. but. I don't have to get. I don't have to expose myself to COVID. I don't have to travel. Uh, I don't have to travel across the country. You know, I get to. Mm-hmm. I get to save my body in a year where other NFL players are going to be putting, uh, you know, putting themselves at risk. However, you know, then what happens to Joe Mixon when Travion Williams has a huge year? What happens to Dalvin Cook when right. Mike Boone and Alexander Madison tear it up and the Vikings win ten games? Like, I just. I think Mixon. I think both of these guys have basically no leverage. I don't think they have any leverage either. I, honestly, I think the, the most optimal thing that they could do, and I, and I know this doesn't sound great because I'm not the one uh, you know in their shoes, and I'm not the one playing running back either, uh, which is a really difficult position. I think the, the best thing they could do is actually play and just have monster seasons. I, I really do. I still believe that. I don't think them sitting out accomplishes anything other than saving themselves uh, and their bodies this year, which I think more than ever, uh, Davis, you could argue that this is the year to do it because of the COVID situation. Yeah, I, I, um, I think that's true. And, you know, specifically as it pertains to the Vikings, I think them signing Cook would just be really bad business. They have, um, right now, they have 11 million dollars in cap space but they are paying um kurt cousins 21 million dollars a year uh they're playing riley reef 13 million dollars a year adam thielen 12 million anthony barr 12 million uh harrison smith 10 million like they have a lot of you know even more so than uh you know similar teams they have a lot of really highly paid players and supposedly what Dalvin Cook is asking for is the equivalent of the David Johnson deal. That would make him the fourth highest paid running back per year in terms of an annual salary. And, uh, you know, I just, I really, I just, you just can't justify it, right? You you really cannot justify giving him $13 million a year when you have Madison and Boone sitting right there. Yeah, it's, Davis, it's tough. Because I, I think someone like Dalvin Cook, uh, who's, who's so good. I, I think he's he's certainly worth every penny, but I, I tend to agree more with you. If I, if, if I was in that situation, I wouldn't want to give a running back uh, a really big deal. Uh, and, and then there's the other side of, you know, should the Vikings have just like traded him last season or tried to do something with him uh, when his value was at, at its highest? I don't, I don't know the, the best, like, I don't know how you treat this the best, but I think that the team should not give the running back the big money. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, don't don't pay the running back big money. Don't, uh, you know, don't give Ezekiel Elliott $90 million. Don't give Le'Veon. I mean, look at this Le'Veon Bell contract. He is yeah. the third highest paid running back in the NFL. He has signed to a deal of four years, $52 million, $13 million guaranteed uh, this year, $27 million guaranteed at signing. Um, now, granted, the Jets can get out of this contract after mm-hmm. this season, but it's not going to be a fun. It's not going to be a fun contract for them to pay out this year. So, uh, Vikings, 
don't don't pay Dalvin Cook. We are going to go ahead and head into the break here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. When we return, we are going to uh, we're going to take a look over at uh, the the B- German Bundesliga. Going to look at some FanDuel betting odds and some of the uh, salaries for DFS as well. See you guys on the other side of break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Christopher Pacheco. We are we are uh, we're going to discuss running back salaries here because you know, first of all, where we the the topic is on everyone's mind with the news that Dalvin Cook is going to hold out. But I I also I think that it is interesting to see you know how running back contracts really have changed over. The years because it is not uh, it's not it's not always been like this Pacheco right now um, we actually have only six running backs who make over 10 million dollars guaranteed that uh, that's that's pretty interesting to me yeah that is uh, certainly very interesting and seeing some of these names uh, at the top one that we discussed uh, in, in the last segment Lev Bell uh, <laughs> Getting that monster contract is surreal, especially given the type of season that he had last year. That seems like a really, really bad contract uh, for the Jets. And you know, just seeing this list, Davis, and, and seeing some of the uh, some of the rookie running backs, like for example, a Josh Jacobs, who's who's really not going to make a meaningful amount. His average salary, because he's on that rookie deal, uh, is uh, something like three million. Uh, I think. A really interesting situation in my head from a team perspective 
would be if you get a, a good, a potentially great running back in the draft, uh, say he plays out those first couple of seasons and he does a fantastic job, I think there's an argument to be made, Davis, that a team should be looking to trade out of the out of that deal uh, in year like three. So then whoever he whoever uh, trades for that deal gets year three and four. Um, and if the running back really is great, I think the team could fetch a pretty good return. I haven't seen it done at the NFL. Um, thus far, but I think that would be a really interesting thing uh, for a team to do uh, moving forward. Yeah, I I uh, I like that idea. I also I I I wonder if this is maybe um, a thing, Pacheco. So we all know, you know, don't don't pay running backs, right? Yeah. Because don't pay what backs. what you're actually what you're the the best years you're gonna get of a running back are very likely going to be those first, you know, rookie year, second year, third year when, you mm-hmm. know, they haven't gotten injured yet. They don't have a ton of uh, tread on their tires or uh, or anything like that. So what if there is actually a market inefficiency to drafting running backs early and then mm-hmm. refusing to pay them? Like drafting Ezekiel Elliott wasn't great. It's way yeah. worse to pay him, right? But yeah. what if what if you draft Nick Chubb in the second round, uh, and then and then you don't give him the contract extension, right? That is that's what you want to be doing, right? That that's the move. I think, yeah. Uh, to answer your question uh, specifically, I think that is uh, definitely the move. Uh, what I'm wondering is, you know, what their trade value is, because ultimately, Davis, if if I have a player like that, if I have you know, an Ezekiel Elliott on my team, a Christian McCaffrey, uh, as another really good example, Christian McCaffrey now is the second highest paid running back in all of football. I feel like if I would have one of those, you know, studs, I would want to, I would want to get something in return. I wouldn't just want to lose them. But if I have to choose whether to lose them or give them a big contract, I'm just going to lose them. Because I, I know they're they're not that valuable. But and the challenge for, for the running back is now that I think they know that. Um, and so you have those situations like Melvin Gordon where they do hold out and they want to get their money. But then, you know, the team doesn't really need them. And the running back sees that. So he comes back. So it's a really difficult situation for running backs. But for, for me personally, if, if I was a general manager, I would want to get something back in return. I just don't know what the trade market would be uh, for some of these guys. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think there probably are some running backs who could be traded right now. I mean, we saw Kenyon Drake's contract get traded last year, a a one-year, $8 million deal is what he ended up signing with Arizona. Um, I actually think Austin Eckler's contract could be traded if the so the Chargers extended him over the offseason. He signed a four-year, twenty-four million dollar deal that gives him a six million uh, six million dollars per year, you know, average salary. And uh, you know, I I I, uh, I like the idea of you know maybe uh, like let's say like New England, though I guess they have um, they have James White, but like I I think that. Or, or the Chiefs, right? What if the Chiefs traded a third-round pick for Austin Eckler if the Chargers decide, look, we're, we are just not, not good enough, right? We shouldn't be spending this money on a running back. It doesn't make any difference to our team. Let's get the third-round pick. I think that's a tradable contract. I think it is a tradable contract. I think it would be, I think it would be great if a team could trade uh, for a second. I mean, maybe a second-round pick would be too rich, right, Davis? But... If you can fetch a third-round pick uh, for one of these guys, especially someone like Austin Eckler, I think that would be a good deal. I think that could be a good deal for both sides, actually. Um, I don't know what you think of that, but if I could get a second-round pick, obviously, um, say out of Ezekiel Elliott, because I know I'm not going to pay him, I would take it to the bank. I'd take that second-round pick and run. Yeah, I mean, I think so. That is that's sort of the overarching theory. So let's go. Let's go to see running backs who literally have you know some of the lowest average salaries of uh, mm-hmm. of anyone in football. So we have uh, John Kelly on the Rams. This guy's literally been on the team forever. He's been on the team for like three years as an undrafted free agent. We think he could probably do fine, but. Gus Edwards literally makes the the bare minimum that he can make seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars per year on a one year contract. 
Um, do we think that the Ravens are are a bad team at all if he is their starting running back? Probably not, right? No, I, I don't. I don't think they would. I think uh, Edwards could fill in for Mark Ingram's role. Um, I don't think he would do do as well as Ingram does, uh, specifically at scoring touchdowns. Um, but I think he would. I would think he would fill in just fine. Yeah, uh, I think that I think that's very likely to be the case. Um, Ty Montgomery signed a one-year, one million dollar deal with the New Orleans Saints. Do we think there is that much of a functional difference between Ty Montgomery and Austin Eckler? I I really think that there probably is not. I don't think so either. Because isn't Ty Montgomery known for mostly just catching passes uh, out of the backfield? Well, he was. I mean, he was a wide receiver in college. Ty Montgomery was right. But then he he played for the Packers, right? And yeah. and was mostly used as like a yeah like as a as a passing. I mean, he was. Back. If two years ago in fantasy football, he was like a third round pick as mm-hmm. a running back. For real, that was something right. that happened. So I don't think there's a big difference between them, though. I think. I think at some point, Davis, you have to take into account the their the years, like like actual age, because Montgomery's twenty seven. Um, I think Eckler's a little younger, um, but if that if that if, if if that's not what you're looking at, I don't think there's a big difference between both of those backs. Okay, Bo Scarborough, two year deal worth one million dollars. He makes the literal veterans minimum. Mm-hmm. I mean, tell me, Bo Scarborough couldn't do the job that Leonard Fournette does. I, I, I really, or, or, or even more, even more of a hot take here. Tell me that Bo Scarborough couldn't do the job that Derrick Henry does, Pacheco. Oh, that's, t- <laughs> that's really tough. Cause I, I think, I, I don't think Scarborough is as good as, as Derrick Henry, but he's also making pennies on the dollar. Pennies so on I, the dollar. And I, I think that's the, that's what you, I think that's the point that you're trying to make is that these really cheap guys, like, why not just go with them instead of paying these running backs monster money? And I, listen, Davis, I, I can't I can't argue with you. I just, I wonder how Tennessee's offense would look without Derrick Henry um, because he's, I think he's that important to that offense. How, you know, how would uh, Carolina, Carolina look without Christian McCaffrey? Uh, like, there's specific examples where I think it becomes really difficult to compare these guys. Yeah, I, I certainly think that's true. I just think there are so many guys who are cheap that it's crazy to me that, get, like, you know, it's just crazy to me that Dalvin Cook is making these salary demands. Like, Chris Thompson, one-year, $1.4 million deal. Uh, Justin Jackson for the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, three-year, $1.7 million deal. I mean, Justin Jackson takes up 0.3% of his team's salary cap. He has... Uh, you know, like he was a workhorse running back in college at Northwestern. He actually had four straight seasons of a thousand yards or more when he was uh, when he was in college. I mean, if Justin Jackson was the starting running back for the Chargers this year, this year, and Eckler yeah. was on a different team, as we suggested, do we think there's any difference in their win loss column at all? No, no, I, I don't. I I certainly don't think so. Yeah, I, I, I just, I think that is, I think that is definitely true. Another guy, actually, this is, okay, Pacheco, would you rather have Dalvin Cook, $13 million a year for the next three years, or Mike Boone for five point, or $570,000 for the next three years? as Because he, he is the third string running back for the Minnesota Vikings. That's the contract that he's on. So he's not even making six hundred thousand. Not even making six hundred thousand. I mean, it's it's a very for me, it's a very easy decision, especially with the type of of cap situation that the Vikings are dealing with. Uh, I would I would just go with Mike Boone, and I, I think the Vikings are going to be leaning towards just not paying him. Um, so he's he's going to have to hold out if if that's what if that's what he wants. He's going to have to hold out because I, I really don't think there's a, a scenario where they pay him. Uh, speaking of, of you know, lucrative running back deals, Saquon Barkley, I wonder what your thoughts are here. He's a, he's getting paid as the fifth highest uh, running back, so even below David Johnson. Um, 
What are your thoughts there, Davis? Because last year, you know, nothing really could save the Giants. They had a ton of injuries. Um, but is Saquon Barkley, you know, really that important to the offense, say, as like Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry are to their to their respective offenses? I mean, I know this for sure. There is a 0% chance that the New York Giants do not pay Saquon Barkley when it's time, yes. right? When his When his contract comes up, they are they are just they're going to give him whatever he asked for you know whether that is 13 million dollars or whatever they are uh they're just going to pay him uh, so i agree with you i don't i, I certainly don't think that he's he's going to be gone um but I, I mean i don't know how big of a difference he makes on the win loss column i guess is my point and and i think saquon is a tremendous talent but I think that I think that's a point we're trying to make in this segment. It's like you pay the running back that much money, but when it comes down to winning losses, I, I really don't think they're that important in that respect. Yeah, that that that's the whole point is that you can pay the running back, but they don't end up mattering all that much. So uh, to me, a very fascinating conversation about positional value and uh, contract value in the NFL. We are going to go ahead and head into break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV, and we will return on the other side of break here in just a few moments. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Christopher Pacheco. Uh, we are now moving over to the German Bundesliga. Going to take a look at the betting lines over on FanDuel for some of the weekend's games. Talk a little bit about uh, fantasy strategy for this weekend's Saturday slate as well. Um, Pacheco, you know, we do have some meaningful games taking place. Uh, Red Bull Leipzig is going to have a big game against Hoffenheim on Friday. They are a road favorite in that game. Also, uh, you know, just sort of an interesting trend here for betting. We we sort of conjectured before the season had restarted, you know, what is what is no fans going to do to the stadiums, right? What is that going to do to the players? And I actually think because the TV broadcast has, uh, you know, piped in the fan noise that some people have not realized it, but... Uh, there was an ESPN article this week interviewing some of the players, and basically universally they all said, "This sucks." Like it is, it not that it sucks, and they, you know, they're they're glad to be able to play and everything, but just that it is very eerie for them and hard for them to, you know, get up to full speed basically without fans in attendance. And and you're speaking about the players specifically, Davis. Yeah. And which makes all the sense in the world. Right. I mean, at, at some point, th- this was going to happen. and it, w- it was going to be a tough adjustment. Uh, hey, the NBA is going to be back on in our lives uh, coming soon. Same with the NHL. Um, hockey. Imagine a hockey game without fans in it. I mean, that's going to be it's going to be a really tough pull. I, I mean, I know they're professional and athletes and uh, professional athletes and everything, but Playing without fans is going to be a really difficult um, situation. So we'll see how those leagues uh, handle that. As far as the Bundesliga is concerned, I, I know you know per, perhaps the players are not complaining, but I, I really don't think that the product has been bad at all. Uh, Davis, I really have enjoyed it. Uh, I was wondering what your thoughts were about scoring being down a little bit uh, last week. There were a lot of one-to-zero games. There were, were a decent amount of, of just one-one ties. Um, are you finally feeling like defenses are, are perhaps getting, you know, their legs underneath them a bit? Or is that just like random variance? Because, I mean, it's a weekend of soccer. Like anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that there's there's just a little bit of noise in all of these results, right? So, you know, last yes. week we had uh, the only the only teams to score more than two goals. We had Eintracht Frankfurt score three goals on Wednesday. Bayern Munich scored four goals on Saturday. And, uh, you know, outside of that, these were, you know, just basically super normal results in uh, in the table, right? Just a lot of a lot of one ones, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, zeros. We had a couple zero zeros, a couple one zeros, like just just soccer that is not super interesting to watch. Um, I, I think that Hopefully we are trending in a little bit of a different direction this week. I think we should have some games with uh, a good amount of goals in them. I think Fortuna Dusseldorf and Borussia Dortmund on Saturday morning should theoretically be uh, you know, a, a game that has some goals in it. Um, I think Wolfsburg and Freiburg could be a game that has some goals in it. I think Schalke versus Leverkusen could be one of those games. But we have a bunch of meaningful games to be played, right? So mm-hmm. Leipzig has a super meaningful game on Friday. If Borussia Mönchengladbach loses their game against Bayern Munich, right, something that we expect to be pretty likely, mm-hmm. Bayer Leverkusen has a chance to jump them in the table and has a chance to jump them uh, in Goal differential as well. Bayer Leverkusen plus 16. Borussia Mönchengladbach plus 21. We expect from looking at the gambling line, though, that uh, you know Borussia Mönchengladbach on FanDuel is projected to lose by about a goal and a half. Wouldn't be surprised to see them, you know, get absolutely threshed in this game. And Leverkusen has now they don't have to play Bayern Munich again for the rest of the year. They have a pretty easy run in. Yeah, so when betting these games, Davis, uh, and, you know, if, if you wanted to bet the underdog, I think the thing I do almost right away when I look at standings and I look at a lot of these statistics is, do I think the underdog has a chance at winning the game? Because if, if I really don't, I, I don't, I don't really want to get involved uh, with them. And so I, I, I look at this Hoffenheim-Leipzig game as a really interesting one uh, because from a standings perspective, uh, Hoffenheim is seventh, whereas Leipzig uh, is, is third. 
so perhaps not a substantial difference. But you look at the statistics, Davis, and it looks like Leipzig is on a different tier than Hoffenheim, despite the standings not being as 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 wide as they probably should be. So my question to you is: Do you think that a Hoffenheim can pull off the upset? Um, and B, if you do think that that is uh, a potential scenario, uh, do you think they're a good bet at plus 550 uh, on the FanDuel Sportsbook? Because I think if you believe that they can win that game, they would be probably one of the better bets out there. Yeah, I mean, so this is certainly a situation where the table does not match the line, right? So Hoffenheim sitting on 43 points, a minus eight goal differential. Uh, mm-hmm. But only, you know, the Leipzig is an away team. They actually have only won twice in their last six games. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of interesting. So granted, you know, no losses in there, but they have only they have only won twice. I, and I, I find that kind of interesting. I would say the value in betting this game as of right now is almost certainly on the... Uh, Hoffenheim side, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I think that is, I think that's just definitely true that you would rather that you would rather bet Hoffenheim than Leipzig. And I, I, I also think that the home road results are going to start to normalize at some point, right? And maybe they don't normalize by the end of the season, but I expect them to look more like historical norms. You know, maybe maybe like five year moving averages in the German mm-hmm. Bundesliga. I don't think that as it sits right now, um, that. Uh, Home team wins have accounted for 22% of games, draws 28%, and away team wins are 50%. Like, that is, that's literally the exact opposite of what you would expect things to look like. So, I, I right now, I think an interesting thing to, to do would be to fight back against that gravitational pull in the market and be betting on home teams that are, are being offered at too short of prices. Yeah, so I, right, so I think... Hoffenheim is a really good example of that. Whereas I think Dusseldorf against Dortmund. So with this one, I think it's more straightforward, Davis. We're talking about, if you're looking at the standings, uh, Dortmund is second in the league, whereas Dusseldorf is like almost dead last. I think they're 16th uh, in the league. And there's a very, like very wide uh, separation between these teams. I think Dortmund is just, significantly better and so like why are they not bigger favorites than this when when Leipzig who I don't think is as dominant of a, of a team as Dorman uh, is essentially having the same odds uh, they're a minus 290 favorite uh, Dorman is in this game against Dusseldorf um, I don't feel good uh, about Dusseldorf in, in this one I think Dorman um, is going to end up winning yeah, uh, that's actually you make you make a really great observation here, which is that the the Leipzig and Dortmund odds are incredibly similar. But yeah. Fortuna Dusseldorf is not a good team. They have one win in their last sixteen games. They have a minus twenty seven goal differential. They've won only six games all season long. Uh, Dortmund has only lost five games all season long, only drawn six games. They've won 19. They've won loss in their last six games. That loss is to Bayern Munich. They've scored they've scored 81 goals this season and conceded mm-hmm. 35. Fortuna Dusseldorf has conceded 60 goals, scored only 33. Uh, and as we are, you know, as we were just discussing, we don't really believe that there is a, a huge amount of home field advantage right now. So not like it's, you know, maybe we like betting teams that are a little bit deeper at home, but no way am I betting uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf at, you know, plus 700 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I would, I would, uh, I actually think that Dortmund is a good team this weekend to throw in parlays or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I actually, I actually really like them as a bet. Yeah, I, I really like them too. And that's with us saying that they are, what, the second highest favorite on the board, I think Bayern is a higher favorite. They don't play on the same slate. Um, looks like they play on Monday or t- or Tuesday, um, but th- they're a minus six fifty favorite uh, in in their game. Uh, I know I know Dorman isn't as dominant as Bayern Munich, uh, and they shouldn't have the same odds. I just found it really interesting that Leipzig and Dorman had essentially the same odds, and I, for the life of me, I I, I can't really understand it. 
I think Hoffenheim at plus 550, Davis, as I'm looking at, at all the games here and, and all the odds, is probably one of the better bets um, out there when you consider everything. Um, the, I don't know, I, like, I don't know realistically what their chances of winning this game are. I still think Leipzig is the better team, but I think all things considered, at plus 550, it's it's looking like a really nice bet. Yeah, I uh, I don't I don't hate those odds at all. Um, another underdog bet that I like, actually interesting in the um, FC Cologne Union Berlin game. Uh, Cologne is listed at uh, like plus 100, like even money mm-hmm. on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Union Berlin is plus 300. The draw is uh, is plus 255. I think that one is um, I think that one is pretty fascinating. I actually don't hate the Union Berlin match here. Uh, Union Berlin, they are you know out they are outside of the uh, they are outside of the relegation zone. I actually think they are a, a pretty decent team. I kind of like the way I kind of like the way that they uh, that they play. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually if we're, if we're betting underdogs here, I do I like the Hoffenheim call. Um, I like Union Berlin because I think mm-hmm. uh, Cologne is horrible, right? I, I think that they are just maybe they were they were good at at an earlier point this season but they have uh they are they have some serious injury problems in their squad they have a couple guys who are suspended with red cards you know they got uh, they got destroyed by Hoffenheim in a match uh just last week uh Leipzig swept the floor with them they uh they have not won a game in quite some time so i i like this union berlin side i agree with you i think it's it's likely one of the better bets uh as well given that it's like a plus 200 or or more um underdog on this one um i think from a statistical standpoint davis there's not a big difference between these teams if you're looking at you know year uh year to date uh statistics um so with that being said i i do like union berlin in this one i don't think there's much of a difference between these teams yep uh, when we get back, we will discuss uh, the Eintracht Frankfurt match, the Paderborn match, uh, some of the the table implications, and then also take a look at some of the available daily fantasy plays and strategies, and also kind of just talk about. I think we should uh, talk a little bit about some of the upcoming leagues as well, because we are about to have a lot of soccer returning. Uh, La Liga is coming back. Uh, the English Premier League is coming back. The FA Cup is coming back. Uh, all of where the the summer of soccer is about to begin but not necessarily in the way that we um, originally imagined it um, so we're going to go ahead and head, head to break sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to segment four here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Maddock. You can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. And here in this segment, we are just going to take a look at the summer of soccer. Now, originally, the summer of soccer was supposed to be Euro 2020, it was supposed to be the Gold Cup. We were going to have, you know, international friendlies. We were going to see, you know, who the best European soccer countries were. We were going to have England and Portugal and the Netherlands and Italy and Spain and Germany uh, all playing against each other. And uh, generally, European soccer tournaments are really entertaining television, you know, even if they're not uh, always super high quality soccer because international teams don't have a ton of time to practice with one another. And, uh, you know, that does impact the quality of the game. But instead, COVID-19 has sort of given the sporting world a gift, which is that we are going to get an insane amount of soccer really all crammed into a really short period of time. So the English Premier League is about to return, but not only is the English Premier League about to return, but also the FA Cup is going to return. I actually wish this is something that uh, happened in American sports, but not only do teams in the English Premier League play in their league format, so, you know, uh, three points for a win, one point for a loss, or uh, one point for a tie, zero points for a loss, you play every team home and away, which is the way that all of the major European leagues work, you know, in Italy and Spain and Germany, but also these leagues also feature a league cup, and what that is is every team in the country, effectively every professional team, you know, all the way down to the third and fourth divisions of the professional sports, uh, of professional soccer, they play in a single elimination tournament where the goal is to ladder your way up and win the Football Association trophy. That's what it's called in England. In the Serie A, it's just called the Italian Cup. Obviously, it sounds different pronounced in Italian. Uh, in La Liga in Spain, it is called the Copa del Rey, so like Cup of the Sun. In Germany, it's called the DFB Pokal, which I think in German just you know means football trophy, football cup. Uh, in France, it's called the Coupe de la Ligue. However, uh, it's worth noting as we go through this conversation, French football has been canceled. Not canceled, but they, they just have wrapped things up for the year. The trophies have been given to Paris Saint-Germain, PSG. That's where uh, Neymar and Mbappe and Angel Di, Mar Di Maria play. You know, all of those really famous guys. So uh, here in segment four, we are just going to kind of run through the returning leagues and, uh, you know, just preview what we expect to happen and some of the key discussion points. So uh, for the Premier League, things are pretty much wrapped up. Well, I mean, they are wrapped up at the top. Liverpool has 82 points. They have won 27 games, drawn once, and lost once. They have scored 66 goals. They have allowed only, uh, they have allowed only 21 goals over the course of the season. They have a plus 45 goal differential. One of the really most masterful performances that you have that really that you could ever see from a team in uh, in the English Premier League. I don't, you know, I was not alive for the Arsenal Invincibles, but I do remember some of those crazy Chelsea teams. Obviously remember the record-breaking performance from Manchester City last year. This Liverpool team to me uh, you know, just definitely just better, right? Just just better. If, uh, looking at uh, looking at some of their statistics, I mean, these these numbers are absurd. So, you know, Mohamed Salah, 
26 appearances, just about 2,200 minutes, 16 goals, 6 assists, average rating from who scored uh, 7.4 on a sale of from 1 to 10. However, you know, no one really gets 1s, no one really gets 10s. Uh, Sadio Mane, 14 goals just in the league in 2,000 minutes. Bobby Firmino, 8 goals, 7 assists. A really even distribution amongst goal scoring uh, from those top three guys. And, you know, really just... Salah, Mane, Firmino, so good, uh, you know, compared to compared to a lot of their compatriots at the position. Uh, and then, you know, they have some of the best defenders in the world as well. Virgil van Dijk, one of the best defenders in world football, you know, really just a, a fantastic player, really aided to their performance this year. Uh, that doesn't mean that competition is done overall, though. Uh, there still is a real Champions League race for the English Premier League. Manchester City is sitting at 57 points. Leicester City is sitting at 53 points. Chelsea sitting at 48. Manchester United sitting at 45 points. And uh, you, you will hear a very interesting name amongst those top four segments because Historically speaking, in the English Premier League, really over the last 25 years, it has been true that a vast majority of the top four spots, the spots that get to play in the Champions League, which is where you really make a ton of your money in world football, uh, you're going to find those coming from Liverpool, Manchester City, Chelsea, Manchester United, and Arsenal. Recently, Tottenham has broken into that group, though historically speaking, they are not so much, uh, they are not so much a part of that placement. This year, Leicester is sort of uh, storming the castle as they sit there with 53 points, a plus 30 goal differential, 58 goals scored, 28 goals allowed. Uh, that's a very sterling defensive record, you know, actually better than Manchester City, far better than Chelsea. Uh, so Leicester seems very likely to head back into the Champions League uh, for only the second time in their club's history. Wolverhampton Wanderers are really crashing the party and Sheffield United as well. You know, pretty much going to keep Tottenham and Arsenal out of the European places. Not being able to play European soccer might actually be a little bit of an advantage in football in 2021. You know, we don't really know where the world is going as it pertains to COVID. And, you know, as long as COVID is, uh, you know, as long as we're worrying about travel, we're worrying about getting COVID, we're worrying about spreading COVID, maybe there's an advantage in league for English Premier League teams to not travel. Maybe the Champions League won't even exist next year and how much these teams are fighting for these spots might end up, you know, pretty much being in vain. Looking at the relegation battle in the English Premier League, it is tight at the bottom of the table. Brighton is sitting at 29 points, West Ham is sitting at 27, Watford is sitting at 27, Bournemouth is sitting at 27. The only thing that separates West Ham, Watford, and Bournemouth is goal differential. West Ham minus 15, Bournemouth minus 18. Aston Villa has 25 points. Their goal differential is not great, but you know they do have, Aston Villa has the ability to survive, Bournemouth has the ability to survive. All of these teams have the ability to survive. I, I could even see Newcastle, you know, just really falling back to the pack. They're sitting there at 35 points and just not really being able to add on to that tally. Historically speaking, in the English Premier League, once you get to 40 points, you are sort of assumed as safe. It, it does. It, it is sad for Norwich, but it does seem like uh, the, the times for them... It probably has passed, which sucks because they were, you know, they were a, a great team to watch. They played, you know, pretty attacking, uh, forward-thinking football, which is not something that many relegation candidates do. But, you know, I think what we're really looking for in the English Premier League the rest of the way is going to be who wins out between Chelsea and Manchester United for the fourth spot and what happens with Brighton, West Ham, Watford, and Bournemouth. I think we can pretty much say goodbye to Aston Villa, pretty much say goodbye to Norwich City. But uh, we can continue our conversation with the Italian Serie A. Generally, by this time of the season, you know, we've had 26-25 matches played for every team left in the league. Pretty much you can say things are wrapped up. You know, you'd say Juventus is just going to win the league. They've won the league every year for the last five years. That is not so this year. Juventus sitting at 63 points, a plus 26 goal differential. Lazio sitting at 62 points, a plus 37 goal differential. You know, this is uh, this is definitely a situation where 
Juventus has to be looking over their shoulder because there is a ton of the season left to go. Uh, Lazio uh, is going to play a very competitive game right when the break gets back against Atalanta, but they have some really good games left in terms of picking up points. They still have a game left versus Lecce, still have a game left versus Udinese, but more importantly, uh, on the 23rd of June, on the 23rd of July rather, there is going to be a massive Lazio-Juventus game and would not surprise me if we are sitting there uh, a little bit later this month thinking, wow, Lazio is pulled ahead. If Juventus wants to win the league, they absolutely have to win this game. And, you know, looking at some of the star performers for Lazio, I think you can see why they have been so competitive this year. Chiro Immobile, 25 appearances, 2,100 minutes, 27 goals, 7 assists. Uh, Luis Alberto, 12 assists in 25 starts. Uh, they have one of the best young midfielders in Europe. Actually, uh, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic was rumored to be headed to Manchester City. Did not end up happening. 4 goals, 4 assists uh, in 24 uh, in 24 appearances this year, but they have just a lot of you know veteran contributors. Lucas Leva, a former Liverpool man, uh, Sanad Lulic, you know, just a, a classic uh, Italian Serie A style defender. Think he is a, a fantastic player. We also have uh, you know a, a real relegation battle that we're going to be watching playing out over the final months in Italy as well. Sampdoria, Genoa, Lecce. Torino and Udinese all have between 28 and 25 points. I think if you were being generous, you could throw Fiorentina in there as well. However, Fiorentina has a minus four goal differential. Udinese minus 16, Torino minus 17, Sampdoria minus 16, Genoa minus 16, and then Lecce down there at minus 22 with a clear tier break. I think it's uh, it's going to be a fantastic league to watch play out. Uh, the final league that we are going to discuss playing out, though, is going to be uh, a league with uh, a lot of star power, though many people are not familiar with sort of the mid-tier teams going on in the Spanish league, where we have Barcelona sitting on the top of the table, 58 points, Real Madrid, second place in the league, 56 points, and you know, this really is the title race. This is, uh, you know, to me, one of the most interesting leagues in the world. We have some of the biggest star players in uh, the world, really. We, you know, guys who have been on the cover of video games, guys who American audiences know. So Real Madrid no longer has Cristiano Ronaldo. I think this break, largely, uh, it, I think it's going to be very good for them. So, you know, just looking at their goal scorers, Kareem Benzema, 14 goals scored, he's 32. Sergio Ramos, a center back, a guy who takes their penalties, 34 years old. I definitely think that matters. But they just have a lot of overage players that really could have used this break. Luka Modric, 34. Tony Cruz is 30. Gareth Bale is 30. You know, and and uh, you know maybe it it is would not be harmful for some of the younger guys who to re up their fitness in the middle of the year. You know, Rodrigo, Vinicius Jr., Luka Jovic, all of those guys able to get uh, you know some extra practice time. However, at the end of the day. I do think Barcelona just ends up pulling this one out. Lionel Messi, 19 goals, 12 assists. You know, he still seems to be like the absolute best player in the world. Luis Suarez gets a little bit of time off. Antoine Griezmann gets a little time off. Arturo Vidal gets a little bit of time off. You know, Sergio Busquets, who seemed like he really was losing his legs, uh, gets a little bit of time off as well. So everyone, thank you very much for watching and listening to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrade TV. Uh, the show, of course, is going to return tomorrow. Tomorrow, we will continue our conversation about all of the global soccer leagues, breaking things down even further, have some KBO chatter. Of course, everyone, good luck on your wagers, bets, and daily fantasy that you have going on. Hope you are enjoying the return of professional sports uh, to the world, and uh, we'll see you soon. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.